We are going to start this morning with a clip from the political drama Madam Secretary. In this early episode, the new Secretary of State has been in her position for just a couple of months. She's a relatively unknown figure in political circles, having served first as a CIA analyst and then as a college history professor before she was brought in as Secretary of State. And she has to make a decision in this episode that reveals who she is and what she cares about. Let's watch. The first official trip of the Secretary of State is loaded with political content. The world doesn't know her yet. This decision speaks to who she is, what she stands for. The same thing is true of Jesus at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. At this point, we don't know him yet. John the Baptist has come, much like the prophets of the Old Testament, and called the people to repentance. He has drawn quite a crowd. Mark tells us that the entire Judean countryside and the whole city of Jerusalem came out to see John in the desert. These statements are hyperbole. It's unlikely that literally everyone in the entire city of Jerusalem came out to see John in the desert. But we all know that sentiment when it feels like the entire city is at an event or everyone has decided to get on the highway at the same time. So when Jesus goes out to be baptized by John, he's just one of the crowd. He doesn't stand out. There's nothing remarkable about him. And in the Gospel of Mark, John doesn't call attention to Jesus. He doesn't point him out as the Lamb of God or as the specific one who's coming after him. Although I have to think that the sky's opening up and God declaring that Jesus is his son might have caught a few people's attention. And then Jesus disappears again into the de desert all by himself for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. At this point in the gospel, Jesus has not spoken a single word. Finally, he reappears, this time in Galilee. We're reminded of that quote from Madam Secretary, this time about Jesus. The first official actions of Jesus are loaded with content. The world doesn't know him yet. These actions speak to who he is, what he stands for. And this is where we find ourselves this morning. Jesus has arrived in Galilee as an unknown. He came from Nazareth, where he, was born, where he was raised and where he grew up. And the people there know him, but the people in Galilee do not. And he's actually only spoken twice before this morning's passage. The first time he proclaims that he has come to proclaim the good news of God. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And then he speaks again to call Simon, Andrew, James, and John to follow him. And then we end up where we are today. A day in the life of Jesus where we get to see what it looks like that he is living out that the kingdom of God has drawn near in his life and ministry. So we should be asking, what do Jesus' first actions reveal about the kingdom of God that he announced? Let's read the passage from Mark. They went to Capernaum, and immediately when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. 
And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately they left the synagogue. They entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. You pray with me. Lord, we have come this morning to hear your word proclaimed to us. As we encounter you in this space, may our minds be illuminated and our hearts transformed as our, through our encounter with you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing Jesus does is go to the Capernaum synagogue. A couple of things strike me about this action. First, Jesus goes to the very place that God's faithful followers gather on the Sabbath. This does not mean that the crowds will not be welcomed in and invited to follow him, as we see at the end of this passage. But Jesus is showing up first to the people who are seeking God, who are there waiting to hear from him and expecting his presence. Certainly, they don't have all of the answers, or they would not be so astonished at Jesus' teaching and at his authority and power. But still, they are there, so they get to hear Jesus' message. This is a lesson for us. There are places where God has promised to be present and active. In these places, we should be looking for the kingdom of God, because in these places, we might catch a taste of God's reign. And it's easy So often, we go through our daily lives and we enter into the different spaces to be consumed with the tasks at our hands. And we do that, it's easy to miss the glimpses of the kingdom of God in our presence, to overlook the work that he is doing in the reign of God. This is calling us to pay attention. The second striking thing about Jesus' teaching in the Capernaum synagogue is that it's the Capernaum synagogue. Jesus didn't follow his proclamation of the kingdom of God with a trip to Rome and the kingdom of Caesar, nor did he start in Jerusalem at the temple and center of Jewish authority. He started among the people, among fishermen and tradespeople, vendors and tax collectors. In the kingdom of God, normal, everyday people are invited in. You do not have to be powerful, educated, influential, important, or cultured to be accepted. Jesus shows us that in the kingdom of God, everyone is welcome. 
After Jesus finishes his teaching, a man with an unclean spirit cries out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. It's interesting to me that Jesus does not call out this man or the spirit. He's apparently been in the synagogue with them this whole time while Jesus has been teaching. And perhaps no one around him has even noticed that there's an unclean spirit in him. He hasn't been disruptive. He hasn't been doing anything violent or anything that would draw attention to himself. And yet, somehow, Jesus, simply being who he is, the Son of God who's announcing God's kingdom come, is enough for the Spirit. Unclean is Mark's favorite term for the spirits that Jesus encounters. He doesn't designate them as evil so much as unclean, as contrary to God. I suppose those two are synonyms, as evil really is that which is contrary to God. But I think that we tend to think of evil as more dramatic, perhaps more violent, certainly more active. than we think of unclean in a different way. Unclean feels more broad. When we start talking about things that are unclean, it evokes a different set of images. And it certainly would have evoked different images for Mark's hearers. Unclean foods, for example, like pork, could not be said to be actively evil, but they're still contrary to God's commands and the things that he has asked of his people. So there's nothing said about this man to note that he's specifically doing anything evil. But still, this unclean spirit knows it's not not welcome in Jesus' presence. It wants to know if it will be destroyed. Specifically because it knows that Jesus is the Holy One of God. Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit and he tells it to be quiet. Would you let your enemies be the ones to tell the world who you are, even if they were speaking truth? I don't think so. He tells the spirit to come out of the man, which it does, even if it's not exactly silently. And the people are amazed. From Jesus' interactions with this man and the spirit, we learn more about the kingdom of God. First, those things which stand contrary to God have no place in his kingdom. The spirit expects to be destroyed. And while that final resolution has to wait until God rules completely over everything, defeating once and for all the powers that still war against God in this world, we get to see a glimpse of God's kingdom here. Those things that are contrary to God have no authority. It is Jesus who has the power, Jesus who has the authority, and Jesus casts away the unclean spirit. Second, While all people are invited into the kingdom of God, those parts of us that are contrary to God have to be cast out by Jesus. The man's not forced out of the synagogue, but he also does not get to stay there unchanged. The unclean spirit that's in him must be cast out. So we must ask ourselves, what parts of us are unclean? What parts of us are contrary to God? Jesus is welcoming us into his kingdom, but not one of us gets to enter the way we are. Every one of us must give up something, really something to Jesus, to allow him to cast it out of our lives. 
We must let Jesus make us clean if we want to be a part of his kingdom. And immediately after leaving the synagogue, Jesus and his disciples enter Simon and Andrew's house. They tell Jesus about Simon's mother-in-law, who was sick in bed with a fever, and Jesus goes and immediately heals her, and then she serves him. The kingdom of God drawing near means people are healed. In this case, Jesus heals a woman first. She would not have been one of the most respectable, valued members of society. She might even have been looked down upon because of her place as a woman. Jesus doesn't seem that concerned with her status. He sees her as a person in need, and he heals her. Then Simon's mother-in-law, we don't know her name, serves him. This is quite an appropriate response to being healed by Jesus. She uses the health that he has given her to serve the one who has done that healing. In the end of the day, the whole city gathers at Simon and Andrew's door, bringing those who are sick and possessed by demons to Jesus to be cured or have the demons cast out. We see again that Jesus invites all into the kingdom of God. But we also learn that those events from earlier in the day were not one-time occurrences. These are things that are characteristic of the kingdom of God. He heals many, all who are brought to the door. He casts out all of those unclean spirits who've been brought into his presence. This is what it means to be in his kingdom. This is just one day in the life of Jesus. It's at the very beginning of his ministry. And through his actions, Jesus is living out his proclamation of the good news that the kingdom of God has drawn near with his coming. We get to glimpse what that kingdom will look like in its fullness at the end of time. For now, we live in the already and not yet. God's kingdom has come. It's been inaugurated through Jesus' coming. We get to see glimpses and foretastes of what that kingdom will look like in its fullness. And yet we recognize that that kingdom is not yet. We still live in a world where the forces of evil battle against the kingdom of God. They battle for our lives, for our world, and for power over everything. And so we must wait until the day when the kingdom of God breaks in in its fullness, when it interrupts and transforms completely the world around us and our lives. For now, we rest in hope in those glimpses, and we live in the kingdom that God has inaugurated in our lives. This is a kingdom that is characterized by openness to all and transformation of everyone who enters. It's a kingdom that is characterized by the removal of all that is contrary to God and the healing of physical diseases. And one day, God will cast out this false ruler of the world who is keeping this world in bondage. At that time, we'll see all disease and everything contrary to God removed. In the meantime, we hope and we pray for God's kingdom to come. We live in his transforming power. And we turn over to Jesus everything that is unclean and contrary to God in our lives so that he may cast it out and we may experience his kingdom both now and in the age to come.